I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter 37 of Breaking Dawn, Contrivances. Before we get into it, big announcement. I'm not sure if you missed it last week, but I did mention that the next book that's coming up on the Patreon is Midnight Sun. So we've just finished with the Allegiant recaps. And so we're looking at Midnight Sun this week. If you want to join the ride, just go to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books. For $3 a month, you get access to all of the new episodes, plus all of the older bonus content that's on there as well. Now, with that out of the way, Where we left off with Breaking Dawn was, well, they were just standing in a field and talking. (sighs) And I want to say that it's going to be different this chapter, but no, I think, (sighs) I think it's just going to be another chapter of them standing in a field and talking. Uh, So the Volturi came, they paused, they talked. Arrow fell in love with Renezme, but also he's a little dirty dog. So I don't think he's just going to turn around at this point. They're going to try and find some contrivances to still persecute the Cullen family because they're so threatened by the Cullens being like six people. Everyone's always like, oh my God, the Cullens, that's the biggest coven outside of Volterra. And it's like, it's not that fucking big. It's like six people. Relax. Like, oh my God, that that shits me. That shits me that no one's been like, actually six isn't that many. So the last chapter ended with just Arrow being like, oh, I've got to confer with my brothers after he met Edward and that in the middle of the field. And so... We're led to believe that he would just turn around and walk back to the Volturi, but no, he calls them forward. And so then everyone's like, ah, shit, they're moving in on us. Edward starts backing up. Jacob's growling. He's retreating backwards, not leaving his eyes off of Arrow. And uh, nothing really changes except for where they're all standing. It's still a standoff where they're standing. She says, now there were only 50 yards between them and us, a distance any of us could leap in just a fraction of a second. It's like, okay, well, even if they were 100 yards away, they'll jump that distance in two fractions of a second or they'll, they'll go two leaps. Like really, what, what fucking difference is it, Bells? So then Caius, he's arguing with Arrow and he's like, what the hell, mate? How can you be fooled by them? Like that's obviously a vampire kid. And Bella notices that Caius stands with his arms rigidly at his side. And she says, I wondered why he did not just touch Arrow to share his opinion. Maybe because he doesn't want to, Bella? Maybe he doesn't want Arrow reading all of his thoughts. Maybe he wants to use speech. Like, how is that easier? Like, oh, let me walk towards you. Give you my hand so you can touch me. It's like, no, I'll just speak to you from across the field. Like, what? She gets hung up on weird things. And I know I do too, but she's annoying. 
And Arrow's like, look, they got us. It's all true. She's not actually a vampire. She drinks blood, yeah, but she's not a vampire. And he says, see how many witnesses stand ready to give evidence that they have seen this miraculous child grow and mature in just the short time they've known her. And Bella's like, I bet witnesses has a double meaning. And he's referring to the fact that we're all witnessing this argument. And also referring to the witnesses that stand behind the Volturi who are also watching this argument. So she thinks she's a freaking genius for cracking that code. And she's looking at the angry mob and she's like, they're not so angry, actually. They look confused and they're all talking amongst themselves, but she's still anxious. So she's flexing her shield muscles that she has complete control over. And she's making sure that it's covering everyone in her company. And she says, I could feel the sharp plumes of light where my family and friends stood. Each one an individual flavor that I thought I would be able to recognize with practice. What? Every person she's covering with her shield has a flavor. So like Edward's cookies and cream, Renesmee's Rocky Road and Jacob's plain old vanilla. But then she gets worried because if any of the Volturi got under her guard and also became enveloped in her protection, then no one would be protected. The mechanics of her shield power is still a bit confusing to me. And cause like no one else being protected right now knows they're being protected cause they can still use their powers. And I think they can use their powers against each other once they're underneath the dome. Although it doesn't sound like it's a dome so much like she's describing extending her shield, clinging to people's form. So it's not like it's like one big, like dome shape. I don't know. It's fucking stupid. Okay. So she says, yeah, my shield hugged Carlisle's shape because he was the furthest one forward. So she wrapped it exactly to his body and then she's wrapping it around everyone. She says she pulled it around each glimmering shape that was a friend or ally. And then <laughs> Kaya says, well, what about the werewolves? And she goes, oh shit, oh shit. I realized that most of the werewolves were unprotected. So she just said she'd covered it around every single fucking person. But no, she forgot the werewolves. So they're not protected by her shield power. And also like, I get that it's a powerful power this shield, but like they can still kill the wolves. Like she's like all panicking. Like they could just run over and try and kill the wolves, regardless of your shield power or not. Even if you were protecting them with your shield, they could still be physically harmed. I don't know why she thinks she's so fucking special, but now she's panicking. So she's extending the shield even further to cover the wolves. It's like, oh great. That'll block out the three of the Volturi that have talent specific to your mental connection. All the ones that have physical powers, they, they can still use them. Sure. Yeah. Alice can still see all their futures. Jasper, if he were here, he could control all of their moods. Dimitri can still, I guess, track them. But other than that, they're perfectly protected. Well done, Bella. And she also realizes that as soon as she covers Sam, once she gets that one wolf, because of their mind connection, the wolf pack mind connection, she protects all of them. Like, what the fuck? She says their minds must have been more interconnected than I'd imagined. If the alpha was inside my shield, the rest of their minds were every bit as protected as his, which she's realizing when she's shielded Sam. And yet Jacob's also an alpha and she's not figured that out. Didn't realize that also protected Seth and Leah. But no, now she's realizing that if she covers Sam, all the wolves will be covered. She goes, I never realized that their minds were so interconnected. And it's like, they're telepaths, babe. Like, how did you not realize that? So Caius, he's now trying to say, that the wolves are up to no good 
And the fact that the Cullens are siding with wolves is bad because wolves are their sworn enemies. He says, the children of the moon have been our bitter enemies from the dawn of time. And I'm like, okay, yeah, since when? I know you just said since from the dawn of time, but I don't think that's real because in Eclipse, the Volturi ran in with the wolves at the climax there and, and didn't seem to care. Every vampire that's met these wolves so far have been like, oh yeah, nice. Nice to meet you, wolf. You smell a little bit, but you're not my sworn enemy from the dawn of time. Does no one remember Eclipse? I really think no one remembers Eclipse. So Caius is going on about how they've hunted them to near extinction in Europe and Asia, and now Carlisle's being bestie with the wolves. He's like, it's not nice. It's not good. And Edward cleared his throat loudly, and then Caius glares at him because it's like, you're a vampire. You're obviously clearing your throat to say something. Nothing can be stuck in your throat because that's not how your superhuman throat works. And Edward says, Caius, it's the middle of the day, mate. He says, look, 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 these aren't the children of the moon, clearly, because they're out in the middle of the day. And it's like, mate, you're a vampire and you're out in the middle of the day. Like, what's that got to do with anything, bitch? Not in this book, not in this series. You all go out in the day. And he's, he's like, uh, uh, Caius, you're so stupid. Like, it's daytime. They can't be werewolves if they're out in the daytime. It's like, bitch, you're a vampire in the sun that glitters. Like, are you shitting me? You're using mythology to be like, uh, uh, they're obviously not werewolves. And Edward says, they aren't even werewolves. Arrow can tell you. And then Bella's like, wait, what? She's like, what? I kind of thought they were werewolves. And even all the wolves are like, wait, what? Like she looks at Jacob in wolf form and he shrugs. (laughs) He shrugs. I don't know how a wolf shrugs, but he's doing that. And so she's like, huh. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the fuck Edward's talking about. And so then Arrow says, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, I just read all about this in Edward's thoughts. I just heard every single one of his thoughts and every other thought that he's heard in existence. So like, yeah, I could have told you if you just asked me. Yeah, they're not wolves. Well, werewolves that is. Of course they're wolves. They're more like shapeshifters. He says, these creatures truly have nothing to do with the children of the moon. Okay. All right. He's saying... These aren't our sworn enemies, the children of the moon. They're completely different. And yet the wolves can easily kill vampires. Like they're designed to kill vampires. Vampires think wolves stink. The wolves think vampires stink. Alice can't see visions of them. The presence of vampires makes the wolves spawn. So I'm thinking there is a link, but he's like, oh no, these, these, these guys. These little puppies have nothing to do with the children of the moon. I think they might actually. I think if not sisters, they're cousins. And Caius, he's just grasping at straws. He's like, well, they know our secret. They know about vampires. So that's kind of a rule break. And Arrow says, they're creatures of our supernatural world, brother. They might not be children of the moon, but they're still not fucking humans really, are they? So they're obviously not going to go and tell people about us because then they'll be telling people about themselves. Arrow says, carefully, Caius, specious allegations get us nowhere. And then he gives him a little look. And Caius is looking back at Arrow, giving him a little look. And Bella's, of course, watching this silent exchange. She's examining the meaning behind those looks. She thinks, okay, yeah, false charges aren't helping convince the watching witnesses on either side. So Arrow is cautioning Caius to move on to the next strategy. Even though I thought we mentioned last chapter that Pretty much either way, all of the witnesses were going to die. Like, I don't think the Volturi are just going to be like, oh no, people are watching, we can't be evil. They'll just be like, all right, we'll just kill all the witnesses. Like, I thought that was their plan, but I, but no, 
in Stephanie Meyer's world, they have to go through like this legal proceeding first before they come out as being huge villains and just are going to do whatever they want ultimately. But Caius, he wants to get the ball rolling. He's like, I'm sick of just standing around with my dick in my hands. Let's, let's get this going. So he says, I want to talk to the informant, bring out Arena. Meanwhile, Arena's daydreaming. Like she's not even listening. I don't know if she's like worried about her family across the other side of the field, but she is legit zoned out. And Caius is like, Arena, look alive, Arena. And then she's like, huh, what? And Caius has to snap his fingers because she's that out of pocket right now. And she's like, yeah, sorry, what? Um, you called? And Caius is like, yeah, you actually led us all here based on a false allegation. So what the hell have you got to say for yourself? And she's like, oh, I don't know. She's like, it's my bad, guys. It's my bad. I should have double checked. And Caius is like, yeah, okay. So you made a mistake, but what were your motivations? And she's like, what do you mean? And he says, well, why were you spying on them in the first place? And she was like, um, and she doesn't want to say, cause she's clearly changed her tune. And he's like, yeah, you were unhappy with the Cullens, right? And she's like, well, and he's like, why was that? And she's like, ah, oh, she's like, it's a, it's a bit awkward, but yeah, the werewolves killed my friend and the Cullens wouldn't stand aside to let me avenge him. So I was pissed. And then Arrow, he's so annoying. <laughs> he's so annoying. So because she just said werewolves, he's got to correct her. And he's like, actually they're shapeshifters. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, okay. They're shapeshifters. And Caius is like, okay. So the Cullen sided with the shapeshifters. We're all being very careful with our language. Like, even though I don't think it matters, just say wolves. Like they're clearly wolves. So Caius is like, well, if you want to make a formal complaint against the Cullens for siding with these shapeshifters, I mean, now's the time to do so, doll. And she says, yeah, no, I'm good. She says, you came here to destroy an immortal child. That child doesn't exist. That's my bad. I'm sorry. But the Cullens are innocent. She says, no body, no crime. And so then Caius raised his hand as she spoke and in it was a strange metal object carved and ornate. And it's like, okay, what is that object? And then she decodes this for us and she says, this was a signal. The response was so fast that we all stared in stunned disbelief while it happened. Before there was time to react, it was over. So three of the Volturi soldiers leap forward and then they hear a horrible metallic screeching. Caius gets amongst it and then there's a shower of sparks and tongues of flame and all the soldiers leap back from the sudden inferno. And yeah, Irena's dead. And Caius stood alone beside the blazing remains of Arena the metal object in his hand, still throwing a thick jet of flame into the pyre. Okay, so it's like a really big lighter. I don't know why she had to be so coy in describing that, being like a strange metal object carved and ornate. It's like, yeah, it's a very powerful lighter. Like I got it. But no, she's really got to explain it. She says, with a small clicking sound, the fire shooting from Caius's hand disappeared. And it's like, oh, okay. So there's a clicking mechanism for the giant lighter. Like I got it. And so then Caius just says, well, now she's taken responsibility for her actions. Meanwhile, Tanya and Kate, her sisters, are on the other side of the field, fuming. And she says, in that second, I understood that Caius had never underestimated the ties of a true family. This was the ploy. He had not wanted Arena's complaint. He had wanted her defiance. His excuse to destroy her, to ignite the violence that filled the air like a thick combustible mist. He had thrown a match. And I'm thinking, have we learned nothing? No, he, he didn't throw a match. He had a lighter. It's just so strange to use that as a metaphor. He threw a match when he actually had a flame throwing device in his hand. Like I don't, 
think you use the metaphor in that instance when there's like a literal lighter in his hand. But then speaking of dodgy metaphors, she says, the strained piece of this summit already teetered more precariously than an elephant on a tightrope. Was Stephanie Meyer just like at home, took a pause from writing the book and watched Dumbo or something? Like an elephant on a tightrope? What a bizarre image for her to conjure. So she thinks Caius knew that once the fight started, there'd be nowhere to stop it and it would just escalate until the Volturi win. And that's his plan. And so Edward's already clocked that as well. So he's like, somebody stop Tanya and Kate from freaking the fuck out and running over there. And she'd already told us they're only 50 yards away or whatever. So they could jump and be there in an instant, but apparently not because now they've got to hold Tanya and Kate back from running across the field. I don't know if in their rage and grief, they forgot that they can jump, but no, we've got to stop them from running. So she says, Kate starts running and Rosalie's closest to her. So she goes to stop her, but Rosalie gets <laughs> electro zapped by Kate because she's got that zapping power. And I guess because they're both underneath Bella's shield, her shield's pointless. Sounds like a pretty shit ineffective shield if you ask me, but all right. So Kate's just zapping everybody. And then it makes me think like, Bella, just pull your shield back to not protect Kate so that her zapping won't affect people so that they can stop her from running across the field. Like work smarter, not harder, Bella, like figure it out. So Rosalie goes to the ground. Garrett now is running at her. He knocks Kate to the ground. She's zapping him and he's like, getting zapped. And Edward says, Zafrina, cause she can project images into people's minds. So Zafrina gets activated. And Bella says, Kate's eyes went blank and her screams turned to moans and Tanya stopped struggling. So apparently Zafrina's powers worked because again, powers work against other people who are both inside the dome of her shield. It's like, bitch, pull the shield back. Like, how dumb are you? Oh, and finally, that's what she does. So finally she starts pulling the shield back, peeling it back from Kate, wrapping it around Garrett. And so now Garrett's not getting zapped so he can pin Kate down. And Carlisle's like, guys, guys, vengeance won't help Arena now. Arena wouldn't want you to waste your lives this way. Think about what you're doing. If you attack them, we all die. And Tanya's like, oh, all right, you got me there. Meanwhile, the Volturi are just like, yeah, 50 yards away, just being like, what are they doing? (laughs) They're probably thinking, what a mess. They're probably thinking, does that one have a taser? Is she tasing people? But she's also clocked that Arrow is a bit confused because Arrow through Edward's thoughts knows about Kate's zapping power. And I bet he's looking at her being like, why is she not zapping Garrett right now? Why is he now no longer being zapped? And she thinks, did he understand what was happening? Did he see that my shield had grown in strength and subtlety far beyond what Edward knew me capable of? Or did he think Garrett had learned his own form of immunity? It's like, well, no, if Arrow's as as smart as he thinks he is, he should be able to figure out that you've used a shield power, but no, it's probably going to be a huge surprise to everybody because you were so hopeless in training. Now everyone's going to be like, what, since when? And then she's looking at their witnesses again. She says the 43 witnesses, (laughs) just so we've got a good whole number, the 43 witnesses. She says, we're watching and getting confused and suspicious. She says, the lightning fast destruction of Arena had shaken them all. I love that she's speaking for all 43 of them. She can't read minds, I'll have you know. She's acting like she can. She can't even read fucking emotions like Jasper can. She's, she's useless when it comes to reading people, but no, apparently she, she knows what every single 43 of them are thinking. 
and they're thinking what had been Arena's crime. And, um, I don't know, false accusations, dragging all these people to a field to confront a vampire baby that didn't exist. Back chat. I mean, that's a pretty big crime. Just back chat. She says, without the immediate attack that Caius had counted on to distract from his rash act, the Volturi witnesses were left questioning exactly what was going on here. She says, Arrow glanced back swiftly while I watched, his face betraying him with one flash of vexation. It's like, okay, are you really reading vexation on his face? This guy's like a thousand years old and his face looks like paper because he's so old, but you can read vexation on it, can you? And she says, I didn't believe that the Volturi would leave us in peace just to save their reputation. After they finished with us, surely they would slaughter their witnesses for that purpose. It's like, yeah, I mean, probably. So why are they still going with the charade? I don't know. She says, I felt a strange sudden pity for the massive strangers the Volturi had brought to watch us die. (laughs) I wouldn't. (laughs) She says, Dimitri would hunt them until they were extinct too. For Jacob and Renesmee, for Alice and Jasper, for Alistair and for these strangers who had not known what today would cost them, Dimitri had to die. Okay, so now she's even more convinced that she's got to attack Dimitri. She already thought she might do that, you know, for the protection of her daughter and her sister-in-law and her brother-in-law and her best friend, Jacob. But now she's really peeved. Now that she thinks some of these witnesses might die, she's, oh, that's the last straw. Oh, no, he has to die. He has to. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So then Arrow says, okay, so just so everyone's clear, every witness, Arena has been punished for bearing false witness against this child. And Bella's like, oh, so that's their excuse. So Arrow's taking over from Caius because Caius has fumbled the bag. He's done a shit job. And she says, Caius straightened. 
and his expression hardened into unreadability. He stared forward, seeing nothing. His face reminded me oddly of a person who just learned he'd been demoted. What? So Arrow's like, all right, just to be thorough, uh, let's continue the trial. <laughs> the trial, even though there's no actual trial going on, let me talk to a few of your witnesses, just as, you know, procedure. Meanwhile, Edward's hissing as soon as he said that. So Edward knows something's up, but she hasn't figured that out. She can read every emotion anyone's ever had, but she hasn't figured it out just yet. She will figure it out eventually, probably, because she's a genius, but no, she's not figured it out. She says, I was desperate to ask Edward what was going on, but Arrow was close enough to hear even the quietest breath. And it's like, well, he's reading Arrow's thoughts. So Arrow already knows what Arrow's thinking. So if Edward explains it to Bella, I don't think Arrow's going to hear it and be like, oh shit, I've been exposed. Arrow knows that Edward has this power, mate. So she's realized that Arrow's coming up with a different strategy. So Arrow comes up to Amun and he's like, oh, hey, Amun, long time no see. And Amun was motionless with anxiety, she says. How does she know? If he's motionless, how can she tell that he's anxious? I really think she's absorbed Jasper's power somehow. Like she's reading every fucking emotion on that field. And Amun says, time means little. I never notice it's passing. And he says that through unmoving lips. So I guess he's a ventriloquist. And he was just sincerely answering why Arrow was like, long time no see. And he's like, ah, oh, it's a long time. Has it been? I don't notice time. As far as excuses go for not visiting someone, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> The next time you run into someone and they're like, oh my God, where have you been? I haven't heard from you in ages. Just be like, oh, has it been ages? I, I don't notice time. The passage of time is not something I notice. Or if you borrow something from someone and it takes you ages to give it back, just be like, you get it when you get it. The passage of time is meaningless to me. I never notice it's passing. You smooth talker, Amun. <laughs> Talking so smooth, your lips aren't even moving. And so Arrow's like, okay, yeah. But also, uh, why didn't you come and visit? Did you not want to show off your newcomers in your coven? And Amun's like, oh, I was meaning to come around. And he says, okay, well, what did you witness for Carlisle? And he says, well, the, the kid grows up, basically. It's obvious that she's not an immortal child. And Arrow's like, up, 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 up. He says, let's define that. So by immortal child, you mean a human child who had been bitten and transformed into a vampire. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, all right. Well, what else did you observe about the child? And he's like, oh, you know, Edward's biologically, she grows, she learns. And he's like, yeah, and what else? And he's like, I don't know, she grows pretty quickly. And Ara's like, that's interesting. Ara's like, she, she grows really quickly, huh? That's weird. Um, so you expect we should allow her to live. And so Bella hisses and then half the vampires on the Cullen side of the battle hiss as well because they all fucking love Renesmee. And then she says, across the meadow, a few of the Volturi witnesses made the same noise. So they're all, they're all positively beguiled by Renesmee too. She didn't even have to touch their face, but all the witnesses are so team Renesmee. And Amon's like, oh, I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to judge. And he's like, okay, well, what's your opinion? And he's like, ah, he's like, all right. I, in my opinion, the child's fine. She learns even more swiftly than she grows. And I don't know what Arrow's trying to get at here. I guess he's trying to make the point that She's obviously still a freak of nature. Even if she's not a child that's been turned into a vampire, she still shouldn't exist, which is my personal belief. And so I guess that's what he's trying to get Amun to say. And Amun's like, hey, um, now that I've given testimony, can I jet? And Ara's like, yeah, of course. It's nice to have a chat with you. I'm sure I'll see you again soon. If you and your mate want to fuck off, please exit stage left by all means. And so Amun and Kebby just run off. 
So they're freaking useless. I mean, Amun did warn us that, you know, this would happen, but I really expected more out of Amun. So with that witness done, Arrow's like, all right, let me talk to Shiv. And he says, oh, hey, Shiv, you're looking good. And she's like, yeah, thanks. And he says, would you answer that question the same as Amun did? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'd also add that Renesmee understands the limitations. She's no danger to humans. She blends in better than we do. She poses no threat of exposure. And Arrow's like, oh, really? You can't think of anything that might be a threat? And she's like, um, no, I don't know what you're getting at. And he's like, oh, really? Oh, really? There's no broken law? Is that what you're saying? And she's like, um, and he's like, yeah, so no one's broken any laws here? And she's like, I guess not. And he goes, okay, okay, okay. I don't know if he's trying to trap them into admitting something because then he's like, okay, so all right, all right. She's not broken any laws, but does that mean that there's no danger? Surely that's a separate issue. And Siobhan's like, I don't know, mate. And Arrow says, yeah, she is unique. Yep, she's totally unique. It'd be such a waste to destroy something so lovely, but there is danger, danger that can't be ignored. And of course, you know, Bella's hissing. The random Volturi witness across the meadow, he's hissing. Everyone's hissing because this is obviously a threat against Renesmee and everyone loves Renesmee. And I think we've gone into monologue territory here. He's no longer asking Siobhan any questions. He's just doing a speech. And he's like, isn't it ironic that as humans advance, as their faith in science grows and controls their world, the more free we are from discovery. Yet, as we become ever more uninhibited by their disbelief in the supernatural, they become strong enough in their technologies that if they wished, they could actually pose a threat to us, even destroy some of us. And everyone's like, okay, where's the question? But he keeps going on. And he says, for thousands and thousands of years, our secrecy has been a matter of convenience. Blah, blah, fucking blah. And then he's like, this kid, this kid, if we could know her potential, know with absolute certainty that she could always remain shrouded within the obscurity that protects us. Ah, but we don't know. He's like, even her own parents are plagued by fears of her future. We can't know what she will grow to be. He's like, isn't that weird? And Siobhan's like, am I still on the stand? Are you still asking me questions or can I sit down? And Arrow, he's turning to the rest of the courtroom and he says, only the known is safe. Only the known is tolerable. The unknown is a vulnerability. And Caius is smiling, finally getting the cut of his jib. And Carlisle says, Arrow, you're reaching. <laughs> and Arrow's like, ah, da, 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 da. Well, let's not be hasty. Let's look at it from all angles. And then Garrett, I guess he assumes, yeah, the questioning of Siobhan's finished because he gets up and he says, may I offer a little bit of a perspective? And Arrow's like, okay, random nomad. Yeah, please address the court. And so then Garrett goes into a soliloquy and he does a little bit of a twist. He says, yeah, I came here to witness at Carlisle's request. I came here to witness the child, but guess what? I also came here to witness you. And he points to two of the Volturi witnesses that he knows, McKenna and Charles. And he's like, hey, I know you guys. And I can see that a lot of you are nomads just like me. Now think about what I'm about to say in my big speech. And they're like, okay. He says, the ancient ones did not come here for justice as they told you. We suspected as much now it has been proved. They used flimsy excuses to continue their true mission. Their true purpose is to destroy this family here. And he points at Carlisle and Tenya because they're the vegetarians, they all assume they're one big family. He says, the Volturi come to erase what they perceive as the competition. Perhaps like me, you look at this clan's golden eyes and marvel. They are difficult to understand, it's true, but the ancient ones look and see something besides their strange choice. They see power. And then the TED talk continues. And he says, I've witnessed family bonds, not just coven bonds. These people love each other, blah, blah, blah. He thinks, 
Is it because they don't drink human blood that they can love? Blah, 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 blah. He says, there's no aggression like we saw in the large Southern clans that grew and diminished so quickly in their wild feuds. There's no thought for domination. They love each other, blah, 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 blah. He says, Carlisle didn't call us here to fight, blah, blah, blah. These witnesses agreed to give evidence to slow the Volturi advance, blah, blah, blah. Can Garrett shut up? Like, oh my God. I bet people are bored out of their brain. Like, yeah, he's making some points, but have you ever heard of being succinct? Like jeepers, creepers, wrap it up, wrap it up. He says, some of us wondered if Carlisle having truth on his side would be enough to stop the so-called justice. Are the Volturi here to protect the safety of our secrecy or to protect their own power? Blah, blah, fucking blah. We have the answer to all these questions. We heard it in Arrow's lying words. We have one with a gift of knowing such things for certain. Oh yeah, because they've got a lie detector in their midst. So he's like, yeah, we've clocked it. We've clocked that Arrow's lying. He says their guard is just a mindless weapon, a tool in their master's quest for domination. Meanwhile, all the nomads are probably listening to this being like, yeah, we're still terrified, mate. Like you're proving the point that we shouldn't trust the Volturi. So why would I want to now stand up against the Volturi? You'd think this big speech was having the opposite effect, honestly. And so then Garrett says to them, now there are more questions, questions that you must answer. Who rules you nomads? (laughs) I wish they had a better name than nomads. Who rules you nomads? Do you answer to someone's will besides your own? Are you free to choose your path or will the Volturi decide how you will live? He says, I came to witness, I stayed a fight. The Volturi care nothing for the death of the child. They seek the death of our free will. So come, I say. Oh my God, he's really still going on. He's acting like he's King Theoden at the Pelennor Fields. He's acting like he's fucking Aragon at Helm's Deep with the big speeches. He's getting his brave heart on and he's like, come, I say, let's hear no more lying. We will defend our freedom. You will or will not attack it. Choose now and let the witnesses see the true issue debated here. And the Volturi are just like, ugh, shut up. But he's still not fucking done. Ah, he says to the audience again, he says, you might consider joining us. If you think the Volturi will let you live to tell this tale, you are mistaken. Again, you're not selling it, bro. I wouldn't be hitting that point. He's He's like, join us and die. Like, whoa, that's not the pitch you think it is. He says, we may all be destroyed, but then again, maybe not. Like, oh wow, that fills me with so much confidence. I'm inspired. And then he says, perhaps we are on more equal footing than they know. Perhaps the Volturi have finally met their match. I promise you this though, if we fall, so do you. And again, they're like, um, thanks? And Arrow says, okay, that, that was a very pretty speech, my revolutionary friend. And Garrett's like, huh? revolutionary? Who who are you calling a revolutionary? He growls. He says, who am I revolting against? May I ask? Are you my king? Do you wish me to call you master too? Like your sycophantic guard? And Arrow's just like, no, Garrett, I was referring to the fact that you're in the fucking revolution. He's like, why are you so mad at me? I thought revolutionary was like a nickname, bro. Like just relax. And Garrett's like, oh yeah, I guess I did fight in the revolution. Okay. Anyway, carry on. So he got really heated there. I didn't expect that to be such a big trigger for Garrett, but he got triggered. And so then Arrow's like, okay, so, and he turns to the audience of the Volturi witnesses and he's like, all right, well, you just heard um, Garrett, but why don't we hear your thoughts? He says, let us hear your thoughts before we make our decision. Tell us what you're thinking. What's going on? While this child is not what we feared, Do we take the risk and let the child live? Do we put our world in jeopardy just to preserve this one family? 
Or does Garrett have the right of it? Will you join them in a fight against our sudden quest for dominion? And so then the witnesses are like, oh, we really didn't come here to participate. They're like, we just came to watch. We thought that's what witnessing was. But um, okay, you really put us on the spot, Arrow and Garrett. And so one of them puts her hands up and she's like, ah, are those our only choices? She says, which, <laughs> which is a great question. She says, agree with you or fight against you. She's like, that's, that's not that great. And Arrow says, well, you could also go in peace just as Amun did. He's like, I wouldn't be mad at that. And so this woman, McKenna, she's like, all right. And so she gives a little look at her mate. And then she says, well, we didn't come here to fight. We came here to witness and, and, and we did that. So deuces, we out. And she says on her way out, she's like, Garrett told the truth. She says, Garrett claims they have ways of knowing when someone is lying. Well, I know too. I know when I'm hearing the truth and when I am not. And it's like, yeah, we all do. We all know they're fucking lying, idiot. She really thinks she nailed them, but it's so obvious what the Volturi are trying to do. Even Bella's figuring it out. She's clocking vexation on people's faces. It's just that clear. So McKenna and Charles just run off as well. <laughs> they just run off into the forest. And Bella's like, Dimitri will be able to track them. I must kill Dimitri to avenge McKenna and Charles. And then a couple more people just like duck out. <laughs> they just do the Irish goodbye. They don't say anything. They just leave. And so then she's counting and she's like, all right, 37 have stayed. Again, I love that she's just giving us full round numbers, just really letting us know the stats. But she could also tell that some of the 37 are just waiting. She's like, I can tell that they also want to leave, but they're biding their time to see what kind of a head start they will get by knowing which way the battle goes. So then Arrow turns to the guard and he says, well, I guess we're outnumbered. We can expect no outside help. Should we leave this question undecided to save ourselves? And they're like, no. And he says, so the protection of our world is worth perhaps the loss of some of our number. And they're like, yeah, sure. And he goes, okay. He's like, all right, well, I've got to counsel with my brothers. So he turns to Caius and Marcus and he says, brothers, there is much to consider here. And Caius says, let us counsel. And Marcus, who's the bored one, he's just like, yeah, let us counsel, whatever. So she says, Arrow turned his back to us again, facing the other ancients. They joined hands to form a black shrouded triangle. And now that they're holding hands, Arrow should be able to hear everything that Marcus and Caius are thinking. Caius doesn't have a power, but Marcus can read relationships. And I guess... Bella's shield doesn't impact on that because it's not purely mental. So that means Arrow's also not been tipped off about Bella's shield power just yet. So it's still the big like ace in the hole, like the big surprise. Like, oh my God, Bella's got a shield power that can mentally block people. They can still physically attack. Caius can use his giant flamethrower lighter that he's got. But yeah, no, Bella's protecting people. Good for her. And they haven't twigged yet. So that's important. And so as soon as like Arrow's in that little three-way handhold connection with his brothers, which, okay, that's a sentence I never thought I'd say. As soon as he's focused on that, a few more witnesses like scurry off into the forest. So she's like, all right, well, obviously a fight's coming. So she turns to Renesmee and she goes, remember what I told you? And Renesmee's crying and she's like, yeah, I love you. And she's like, yeah, 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 me too. She goes, I love you more than my own life. Remember how like last chapter she was like, I will never say goodbye because that feels like writing the end at the end of a manuscript. Well, now they're all saying their goodbyes. <laughs> so everyone's turning to each other saying goodbye, saying they love you, all that crap because they're getting ready to die. And so she says to Jacob, wait until they're totally distracted, then run with her. Get as far from this place as you possibly can. 
when you've gone as far as you can on foot, she has what you need to get you in the air. So I'm guessing the, the rest of the Volturi guard who aren't mind consulting each other can't hear this. I guess she's really whispering it. Because if I'm like Jane or Alec or Dimitri or Felix or Renata, I'm standing there being like, oh, she just told the wolf to take the kid and run. If the whole battle's meant to be to destroy the kid, like maybe I should remember that little tidbit and maybe I should tell someone or try and stop that from happening. Okay, she's just, she's out with it. So Edward heard that as well. And he's like, ah, geez, is that what you've been hiding from me? And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. And he says, Alice? And she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. So Edward's putting two and two together. He's figured it out. She's still being super coy with him. Like Arrow's already touched him. So he might not touch him again. Also, they can hear you because of the super hearing that they all have. So I don't see the harm in just being like, yeah, I got some papers from Jay Jenks. There's a birth certificate in there, but she's still being coy with Edward. So he's going to have to go to his grave, not really knowing. So that's tough for Edward. And so Jacob's growling because he's all anxious and upset. And she says, you're the only one we could ever trust with her. If you didn't love her so much, I could never bear this. I know you can protect her, Jacob. And she goes, yeah, I know. I love you too, Jake. You'll always be my best man. He hadn't said anything. He just um, head-butted her. (laughs) He said he dipped his head to butter against her shoulder. And she took that to mean, I love you, which I don't know. Apparently she speaks wolf body language now as well as reading every emotion from a field 50 yards away. So yeah, he's like, yeah, I love you with his headbutt. And she says, I love you too, Jake. You'll always be my best man. Even though he didn't really attend the wedding, did he? Like he, he came late, didn't give a gift. And five minutes after arriving, tried to fight the groom. Like, yeah, I don't know if I'd still call him the best man. But, but let's park that because then the most disgusting sentence I've ever read, like the, uh, the worst dialogue I've ever in my whole entire life ever witnessed. Okay, so Edward leaned his head against the same shoulder where he'd placed Renesmee on Jacob. So he's leaning on Jacob and he says, goodbye, Jacob, my brother, dot, 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 my son. Oh my God, that's, uh, that's foul. That's foul. Like, uh, no, you were in a love triangle with the guy. Now you're calling him your son, your son. Just because he wants to fuck your daughter doesn't make you his dad. You're not his father-in-law. You used to hate the guy. I mean, brother, I'll allow. I'll allow. It's, it would have been creepy on its own, but the way you said my son really topped it all off. That's disgusting. And like, where do you get off adopting Jacob into that role? Do you think he wants to be known as your son? That's so patronizing. Oh, it's just such a creepy, weird thing to say. Oh, oh, goodbye, Jacob, my brother, my son. Yuck. And so everyone else standing around them is like, oh, wow. Okay, so if they're saying goodbye, maybe we're doomed. And even Carlisle says, well, geez, I guess there's no hope then. And then Bella says, there is absolutely hope. I only know my own fate because of course she knows she's gonna die because there's no way she's not because her whole thing is sacrifice. And she also knows that means Edward's gonna die because his whole thing is dying if Bella dies. She says, when I said my fate, there was no question that I meant the two of us. We were just halves of the whole. Like, okay, or you could live for the sake of your daughter who's five days old, but okay, yeah, all right. If one dies, you both have to die. It's the Romeo and Juliet method. So then she says, suddenly we were surrounded by murmured goodbyes and I love yous. Again, I thought we weren't gonna do that, but that's what we're doing. 
And Garrett says, if we live through this, I'll follow you anywhere, woman, to Kate. And Kate goes, now he tells me. So I guess Kate and Garrett are going to bang. So everyone's saying goodbye and that they love each other. And then she says, I didn't see all the expressions of love and pain, even though she just described a huge bunch of them. She says, I was distracted by a sudden fluttering pressure against the outside of my shield. I couldn't tell where it came from, but it felt like it was directed at the edges of our group. Siobhan and Liam particularly, the pressure did no damage and then it was gone. So what the fuck was that? Is that Alice coming back or Jasper coming back? But both of their powers are physical, so the shield wouldn't have anything to do with it. So I don't know, someone's testing the powers. Maybe, maybe Renata or Jane's throwing out some power that she's blocking, like they're gearing up for the fight or something. I don't know. She says, there was no change in the silent still forms of the counseling ancients, but perhaps there was some signal that I'd missed. And so she goes, get ready. It's starting. And that's the end of the chapter. Next week, we have power, where I'm guessing Bella's experiencing her power or some shit, even though that's what she's been doing for the last like 15 chapters. But okay, no, so it's called power. Let's see what happens. And then the one after that is the happily ever after. So spoiler alert, there's going to be a happily ever after but I'm probably going to look at both of those chapters next week. So join me next week for the end of Breaking Dawn. And if that makes you sad, just go to Patreon and we can relive Twilight all over again with Midnight Sun. So I'll see you next week or I'll see you over on the Patreon for some Midnight Sun. All right, bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.